Welcome back to Well, That's Interesting, the what in the holy hell is going on edition. <laughs> what a question. <laughs> I, I will never be able to answer this question. I have no idea what's going on ever. No. 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 In between <laughs> 061, John Glenn's Fireflies. Sure. And the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. that kind of sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. Yes. But like a Dr. Seuss B-side. <laughs> the one they didn't publish. Yet. Yeah, that no one cared about. Uh, not even Dr. Seuss. He, I don't know what his real yeah. name is. He, he was probably like, you know what, this isn't, I, I've done better. It's in the maybe pile. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these these two stories, one of them was a mystery for, for a very long time. I'm so gay for a mystery. So gay for a mystery. <laughs> and the second one, it's still a mystery mystery to this day. Double? Like, double mystery. Double gay mystery. <gasps> double mystery. <laughs> double mystery. I have to sing it. Make it even gayer. <laughs> I'm gay, so I can say that. Uh, I'm Jill Chacha, and I am with... Uh, the very gay Marissa Riley. Thank you. That's me. <laughs> I'm gay. I have to sing sometimes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if this is uh, your first time listening, welcome to the flock. Welcome. Uh, Dr. Riley here comes in cold and learns everything in real time, just like you. It's true. <laughs> I had no idea what we were going to talk about. That's why I processed it with a song. It's, and... it's, it's helpful, especially with trauma. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just processing my trauma. But yeah, I had no idea what we we're going to talk about. I never do. I didn't even get a hint this week other no. than Jill just kept telling me I was going to love it. And yeah. And so now we're here. We're experiencing this trauma together. <laughs> we are trauma bonding, you and me, listeners. And uh, we're going to... It's going to be great. S- we're going to sing and scream <laughs> our way through it. And it's it's going to be great. And apparently it's going to be great. Yes. And I, I actually really believe Joel because it... It's always it great. Always is. It always is. It always is. There it you always go. is. <laughs> I guess we should begin. We should. All right, my friends. To begin, we need to travel back in time just a bit before heading off into the cosmos. Ooh, okay. Let's rewind the clock to February 20th. 1962. Ah. The 60s, of course, being a groovy decade filled to the brim with civil rights protests being violently squashed by the police force. Uh, A political tit-for-tat between the U.S. and Russia was raging, Mm -hmm. and men were desperate to get to space. So honestly, it's like today, but with more drugs and fewer pandemics. Yeah, Yeah, it really is. Not much has changed. Everyone, every... Everyone, every man at least, is trying to get to space. Uh, all kinds of shit is going on with Russia, and uh, the police still uh, makes me mad. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the only difference is I wish we had funner drugs. That's right. And less COVID. More <laughs> drugs, less COVID. Put it on a tote. Put it on a tote. Sweet yesterday. Jesus. So, another big difference between our times is that no American had yet orbited the Earth. Ah. Yeah. Now, just a year prior, however, in 1961, Soviet cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin became the first human being to travel into space and the first man to orbit the planet, a feat accomplished in 89 minutes. That's like three episodes of Nailed It. Yeah. That's like three episodes of Well, That's Interesting. Yeah. Oh my God, that's Very, a binge sesh. That's 
But not even that long of a binge sesh. Sorry, I'll stop talking about her on podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Never. So needless to say, the U.S. government wasn't going to let that shit slide. It was decided the only way to counter the Soviets was not only to get up there ourselves, but to be up there longer and orbit the fuck out of the Earth. Like, circle it a few times, not just once. Oh, my God. <laughs> so. We're so competitive. Like, did we even... So petty. We're so petty, too. Petty. Like, did we even want to go to space? Or is it just because <laughs> our neighbors did? Mm-hmm. Are they even neighbors? They're so far away. Why do we care? <laughs> there's a whole... Because there's a history. There's okay. a whole Anyways. thing. So the hustle began, and the Mercury Atlas 6, or the MA6 mission, was born. Ah. Basically, this plan involved getting an Atlas LV-3B spacecraft, uh-huh. okay, which NASA calls an expendable launch system. Okay. But basically, it's a missile. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, then you're going to put a Mercury spacecraft. Uh, it would, like, hitch a ride on it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Until the Atlas's fuel was used up, and then when the altitude and tra- trajectory were just right... The Mercury spacecraft would be flung into the great unknown. I get it. There you go. That makes sense. And boy, howdy, there were a lot of unknowns. Although there were five other suborbital flights that carried humans and even a chimp aboard, no American American ship and no American person had fully orbited and re-entered the atmosphere. Oh, shit. Yeah. The MA6 team had to prepare the sole crew member aboard the Mercury for everything even though they had no idea what to really expect. That's a lot of pressure. <clears throat> this is stressful. Yeah. So, Dr. Marissa, please tell us, according to the mission's wiki, what situation was the team in, and because of this, what did they stuff the Mercury with? Ooh, okay. I would love to say, I would love to tell you. All right, quote, As the effects of orbital space flight on humans were unknown except to the Soviets, who were keeping whatever knowledge they had a secret, the pilot was prepared uh, with an onboard medical kit consisting of morphine for pain relief, fun, methentermine sulfate to treat any shock symptoms, benzolamine hydrochloride, nailed it. Uh, nailed it, to counter motion sickness, and bracemic amphetamine sulfate, a stimulant. End quote. There you go. So I, I know a couple of those. <laughs> Lots of drugs. Lots of lots of good drugs. Lots of different drugs for lots of different situations while in orbit. Yeah. Uh, but don't forget about re-entry. Mm-hmm. Okay, for now for this, there was, quote, a survival kit on board to assist the pilot while waiting for recovery after splashdown, yeah. including a desalter kit, dye marker, distress signals, signal mirrors, signal whistle, first aid kits, shark chaser. What? A PK-2 raft, uh, survival rations, matches, and a radio transceiver, end quote. Just ready for it all. And a shark. And a shark. Is that, am I getting that sharks. right? Yeah. They were ready for sharks. That is crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you land, it might be a while. <laughs> That's right. It might be a while. You might be in the ocean, yeah. or you might be on a land... Those land sharks, they'll get you. Those land sharks, they're going to get (laughs) you. Yeah. So, God knows, with all eyes on the United States, we couldn't lose our soon-to-be national hero, John Glenn, the sole crew member and American aboard the Mercury. Good old Glenn. That's right. So, the pressure's on, and the big day has finally arrived. John climbed into the Mercury capsule he lovingly called the Friendship 7 in honor of himself and his six other astronaut buddies to be left on Earth. Oh, and took off, leaving our atmosphere, circling the globe, and landing in the ocean, all without a hitch. 
Of course, yeah. no, of course not. That did oh, not happen. Oh, <laughs> I actually don't know anything about this. So this is all new to me. Yeah, it, it did not happen like that at all. Dr. Marissa, I think we should take a stroll through the list of setbacks right at launch. Uh, what do you say? I say yes. <laughs> okay. Tell me everything. Let's alternate reading off the list. Uh, so please start us off. Here you go. I would love to. All right, quote, uh, the day started with a 30-minute delay to replace a faulty component in the Atlas's guidance system. Mm-hmm. That's important. Uh, as the hatch was being bolted shut, 70 hatch bolts had to be secured, but one was found to be broken. Oh, fuck. This caused a 42-minute delay. As all the bolts were removed, the defective bolt was replaced, and the hatch was then rebolted shut. Oh, yeah, that's going to set you back. Yeah. All right. The countdown then began, but was ultimately halted for 25 minutes while a liquid oxygen propellant valve was repaired. Jesus. There you go. Finally, after four hours after John first entered the Friendship 7, it was go for launch. Lead communicator Scott Carpenter radioed radio to our astronaut inside. Godspeed, John Glenn. But... Quote, due to a glitch in Glenn's radio, he did not hear Carpenter's phrase during a launch. Oh, my God. (laughs) At liftoff, Glenn's pulse rate climbed to 110 beats per minute. End quote. So he's nervous. It's understandable. You know, if this many problems happened to me, honestly, before just leaving the apartment, (laughs) I'd be like, you know what? Today's not the day to leave the apartment, let alone leave the Earth. Oh, my God. Uh, Not even the g- fucking radio worked. Yeah. Like, oh my God. I know. This thing is like, it sounds like a tin can <laughs> that was. they were throwing in the air. Basically, yeah. I'll have I'll have some photos on our social medias that it, it literally was a tin can. When they say capsule, they're not fucking around. It was like a missile shot up and then he just like falls out. It's really oh great. Oh my God. But you know, we'll, we'll get into it. Please <laughs> so tell me everything. It. So. Luckily, the Atlas launch system boosted John and the Friendship into a trajectory that could last for at least seven orbits. So that was great. Yeah. At which he'd be cruising at a speed of about 17,500 miles per hour. Oh, my God. Holy shit. Now, despite all the minor setbacks that honestly could have killed him if not caught, John felt enormous peace when finding himself as the second human being ever to see Earth from a distance. Oh. Now, looking at the African coastline... Glenn told the tracking station that he could see a dust storm in Nigeria. Wow. He saw the expanse of massive deserts all in one viewing and could even peer into volcanoes. <gasps> He's having an, just a great, the a greatest blast. time. <clears throat> uh, eventually, though, he made his way around the globe and traveled behind Earth. Okay. It was there he got to witness a sunset from space. Oh. And while in the Earth's shadow, he saw thunderstorms light up like a ballroom in the darkness. Wow. I know. Now, John was moving so fast, his night was only 45 minutes long. Oh, my God. He was about to experience a sunrise. Uh Uh-huh. And it turns out, my friends, the growing dawn backlit an eerie fact. He wasn't alone. What? What? Dr. Marissa, I think the best way to explain what John saw from the friendship's window is to read a transcript of the conversation he had with mission control what do you say oh fuck yes i'm pumped okay how do you feel about being john glenn i feel great about it (laughs) i was born for this role i'm ready okay now uh this transcript by the way is from the book moonshot the inside story of america's apollo moon landings 
All right, Dr. Marissa, get into character. All right. Here's your first line. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Uh, here we're going to start. Um, <laughs> I'll try to describe uh, what I'm in here. I'm in a big mass of thousands of very tiny particles that are brilliantly lit up like they're luminescent. They are bright yellow-green, about the size and intensity of a firefly on a real dark night. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, Roger, Friendship 7, this is Canton Capcom. Can you hear any impact with the capsule? Over. Negative, negative. They're very slow. They're not going away from me at more than about... Uh, they're not going away from me at more than about... Or more than... Okay. <laughs> Hold on. They're very slow. They're not going away from me at more than maybe three or four miles per hour. They're round a little. They're coming by the capsule and they look like little stars. A whole shower of them coming by. They swirl around the capsule and go in front of the window and they're all brilliantly lighted. There you go. What? Yeah. <clears throat> now, my friends, that's the end of that conversation, because just as soon as these mysterious little bug-looking things appeared, they disappeared, and a warning light went on, signaling the worst. Oh my god. The goddamn heat shield, meant to protect John from basically being cremated on re-entry, had come loose. No. No. Yeah. Needless to say, no one gave a fuck about the bugs and focused on working on how to save John's life. Yeah. Now, lots of folks listening probably know... John Glenn went on to become a senator for Ohio. So. I didn't know that, but <laughs> so, now I do. Yes. So, spoiler, he survived re-entry. Though, in his own words, the capsule was, quote, a real fireball, and it experienced peak temperatures. So, oh in some, he was fucking lucky. They yes. both, if you really want to know what, like, the details, get that book or just Google it because they had a, a haul ass to save John's life. I, I really it's, do, and I really will yeah. look it up later. That's fucking crazy. So... As for the mission, John had completed not one, but three orbits and hung out there in space for about four hours. Fuck so yeah. Okay. Mission fucking accomplished. Now, I know what you're thinking. Didn't anyone look into the fucking things that were outside the capsule's window? Yeah, the alien bugs? <laughs> what? <laughs> so, yeah, eventually they did. Um, do you remember Scott Carpenter, the guy who said Godspeed, but... John didn't hear him? Yes. <laughs> okay. What a bummer. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, Scott found himself in space one day. As one does. Yep. And happened to bang his hand against the inside panel of the capsule. Okay. Wouldn't you know it, the capsule became surrounded by John's fireflies. It was as though they were hiding and shook loose. Oh, my God. So, Dr. Marissa, please tell us, from this accidental discovery, what really joined John up there and when he was you know, overlooking the magnificence that is uh, our Earth. <laughs> I, I would love to say also, this kind of sold me on going to space. I, I normally wouldn't want to go to space, but describing that sunset really, you know, really you. touched my heart. It got to you. Yeah. Anyways, back to the quote. Quote, while some might have suspected extraterrestrials like me, John believed it was a sort of miracle. However, these fireflies had a simple, more realistic explanation. The Mercury spacecraft was equipped with a vent that projected the astronauts' body fluids, think sweat, moisture, and urine, into space. <laughs> Great. When the liquid was shot into the void, 
it froze instantly. And if the light hit it at just the right angle, those droplets would glow like a thousand little celestial fireflies. End quote from thegrudge.com. It's pee. It's pee. It's pee. It was pee. It's not... <laughs> it's not the little alien bugs I wanted it to be. It's the next best thing, That's which right. is pee. It was piss. <laughs> it was piss, maybe even a little poo if we're lucky. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. This is amazing. Yeah. John was surrounded by his own bodily fluids uh, that were sucked into a vent and shot in space. Amazing. So now the fact that they weren't alien bugs or something even more unexplained is kind of a letdown. It is. Yeah. Yes. So after the break... I'm going to give you a real mystery, one that happened right here on Earth. Oh, my God. So stay tuned. Please do. And we're back. We are so back. We're so back. And we've returned to Earth and landed in, you guessed it, Mattoon, Illinois. Fuck yeah, Mattoon, (laughs) Illinois. Fuck yeah. Uh, Where in God's name is Mattoon? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. I got you. Uh, My friends, point to the Great Lakes uh, in the northeastern United States. Okay. The lake all the way to the left is Lake Michigan, and the state to its left is, you guessed it, Wisconsin. Ah. <laughs> Underneath Wisconsin is Illinois. Okay. Now point to its center and move a little southeast, and boom, we're in Mattoon. We're in Mattoon. We're finally here. Fuck yeah, Mattoon. And today, it's a city of about 20,000 people, but in 1944, when our story takes place, it was even smaller. Oh. It was about 16,000 people who lived in this family-oriented, close-knit community. Now, that was the census count, but for context, in 1944, the U.S. had just joined the war effort to punch Nazis, so the number was actually way smaller at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it should be noted, for the few folks in town and across America, really, there was also the very real, palpable fear that Hitler and the gang could strike our shores from above and from below with gas attacks. That's That's a fair... Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Uh, So that's what makes the events which took place between August and September of that year all the more sinister. Oh, my God. Yeah. Let's begin with the first known attacks, which occurred during a hot, muggy summer. Oh, my God. Yeah. The evening of August 31st was no different, so windows across town were open to let in some fresh air, and it turns out a bit more than that. Oh, I'm so nervous. (laughs) One couple awoke to a sweet smell, and quickly that sweet smell caused some unsavory side effects. Oh, my God. Uh, The husband experienced a fit of vomiting, and the wife, terrified she left the stovetop gas on, attempted to jump up and run to the kitchen, but she found herself unable to move. What? Yeah. Oh, I'm so stressed. Is this going to happen to us? Do you like how I paused everything? I'm like, Jill, do we need to close the windows? Oh, my God. So, Dr. Marissa, according to the Daily Journal Gazette and damninteresting.com, what happened that same night? I I would love to tell you. All right. Quote, a young housewife named Aline Kearney had been laying in bed reading the newspaper when she noticed a strong, sweet odor seeping into the room. The smell made her and her three-year-old daughter feel ill. But when Aline tried to get out of bed, she found that she couldn't move her legs. Aline's sister was staying in the house, and upon learning of the strange odor and its ill effects, she dashed to the neighbor's house um, to have them contact the police. 
good stuff. When the police investigated, they found nothing out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. But when Aline's husband arrived home at 12.30 a.m. from his job as a cab driver, he discovered a prowler outside the bedroom window. He gave chase, uh, yet the unknown lurker escaped. And, quote, who the fuck is poisoning people with sweet-smelling odors? (laughs) Who's doing this? That's right, my friends. Someone, something, somehow is causing people to puke or go limp, specifically at night, perhaps thanks to a sweet gas of some sort. Okay, is this the alien story? (laughs) We gotta, you know, we'll get into it. Okay, okay, okay. I'm going with aliens. That's my that's my answer to everything. I'm never right, um, and you're never wrong. So the truth is out there. So shortly after, on September second, the Gazette ran with the story, and the mystery person quickly got a nickname, the anesthetic prowler. Okay, that's too many. No, that's that's too many. Um, what's the word? Uh, Letters. Letters. (laughs) Does not roll off the tongue. Yeah. Anesthetic prowler. Yes. It's too many beats. It's just too shorten it to aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And it seems Aileen and that couple weren't the first victims. Oh, shit. Once Aileen's experience went public, dozens of Matooners, or whatever people from Matoon are called. I hope it's Matooners. (laughs) Me too. So they must have felt comfortable going forward because they admitted too they also experienced the same thing. But <gasps> but it was months ago. Oh. The same lightheadedness, paralysis, nausea, vomiting, all accompanied by a sweet odor. Oh my god. I know. So more victims means you guessed it, more newspapers went to press, and it seemed like the whole nation was watching Little Mattoon seemingly come under attack. <gasps> The attention, of course, didn't stop the supposed gasser. Oh, my God. In fact, it all escalated. The aliens, they're still there. (laughs) Dr. Marissa, according to our two sources, what notable events happened shortly thereafter? Oh, my God. I would love to talk about it. All right. Quote, a few days later on September 5th, Mrs. Carl Cortez reported finding a small wet cloth on her porch. And when she picked it up, she was overcome by an odor. It was a feeling of paralysis, she reported. My husband had to help me into the house, and soon my lips were swollen, and the roof of my mouth and my throat burned. I began to spit blood, and my husband called a physician. It was more than two hours before I began to feel normal again. And, quote, I really have no idea what this is. (laughs) I, You know, I joke around when I say aliens. I'm not joking this time. This sounds... Like an alien. Sounds like some aliens. Yeah. Some alien shit. A group of aliens. By this time, Illinois police also upped the ante by putting 10 officers on the case full-time. Okay. Uh, The FBI sent in two agents to help out. Okay. And in classic American fashion, vigilante mobs patrolled the town. Of course they did. (laughs) Of course they did. Despite all this, three to four houses would report a gas attack every night. Oh, my God. But get this. No evidence was ever found at any scene. What? Yeah. And those reporting illnesses, uh, they were medically evaluated, and you guessed it, nothing was found there either. Oh my God, don't tell me they're going to blame it on hysteria. Please don't tell me it's going to be mass hysteria. (laughs) Oh, 
Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Am I right? No. Yeah, the cops at this point did what a lot of cops would do, uh, point the investigation towards the possible victims. Of course. That's right. An announcement was made that the next person to claim an attack and was found to have no medical problem would be arrested and charged. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, I'm so pissed. (laughs) Needless to say, the reports stopped. And September 13th, was the day it all supposedly ended. But of course it kept happening. People just couldn't get help. So as of today, no chemical evidence of gases had been found. No one was caught. And thankfully, there were no long-term side effects for those who said they were affected. That we know of. Yeah. At the time, theories circulated. And because most of the victims were women, you guessed it, authorities went with hysteria as the cause. No. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, but a lot of people just didn't buy it, especially the locals, mm-hmm. okay? Many believed it was a single person with a vendetta, Yeah, but many others went with a more logical approach once the, des- the dust settles. Aliens. <laughs> the dust settled. The dust settled, and we saw aliens. <laughs> aliens everywhere. Uh, Dr. Marissa from gizmodo.com, tell us what was nearby. I would love to tell you. All right. Quote, some people blame the nearby diesel engine manufacturing plant for emitting gases that made the uh, that made the more sensitive people sick. End quote. Well, that, that's what it is. Y'all, that's what it is. I know. That's a pretty good guess, I would have to say. I think so. Unfortunately, it was never looked into. Are you serious? No. no. God damn it. No. But if you Google Mattoon, Illinois factories today, the entire town is circled by manufacturers still to this day. That's 100% what it is. There was probably like a gust of wind and everyone who left their windows open got sick. There you go. With like maybe like compromised immune systems or Mm -hmm. or just people who were tired. I don't know. There you go. Sounds, I think, well, I solved it. (laughs) Thank you, doctor. You're welcome. The end. The end. <laughs> Mystery solved. You're welcome. World. So, I'm kidding. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening, subscribing, telling your friends about the Mad Gasser and uh, John Glenn's piss. Yeah. Tell. Yeah. If you haven't told people yet, tell them now. You really do. Text them. First thing tomorrow. Yes. First thing. Tell them about the piss. Yeah. And then tell them it's not aliens. It's the factory. There you go. It's the factories. <laughs> Floral. Yeah. Uh, and please stay interesting. Oh, please do.